Welcome back to uh, another episode of Random Acts of Awesomeness. And we're back with the Nerd Corner. And uh, I have a guest with me today. Hello. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you there. (laughs) Hello. Uh, I'm Hero. Uh, Yeah. Um, So Hero is a man of many faces. Yes. Most of them are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. He... Does, works as a server, he works as a manager at a game store, has his own kind of YouTube show, uh, which you can shamelessly plug at the end of this. Absolutely. Of course. I will definitely um, take you up with that opportunity. And uh, yeah, I, I, there's very few people that share a love of JRPGs and random video games with me than Hero does. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm kind of like a nerd of all trades because... <laughs> Uh, a long time ago, when I was when I was very young, I met a guy, and I and I will shamelessly plug him here, a, a man named Wen Chen, uh, which is like the most Chinese name <laughs> that I that I have ever heard. Uh, but I I went I was in m- transitioning between middle school and high school, and we took a geometry class together, and uh, it was fate, and he kind of introduced me a lot more uh, to JRPGs. My dad worked a lot overseas, so I kind of grew up around Asian culture. Uh, but he showed me. Like, one, my first real kind of crazy Japanese game was a game called Super Robot Wars, which I've talked about oh, tons yes. of times to you uh, personally. But that kind of got me started down this whole path. So now I'm just nerdy in every facet, you know, working at a geek bar, managing a retro video game store, having my own, you know, YouTube show with comedy gaming and stuff like that. Uh, so I've, I've been super stoked about coming on the show and talking yeah. about nerd stuff with you. I'm really excited about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, what did we? What was the game that we first bonded over? Was it? Um, I, I feel like it, it had to have been Valkyria Chronicles, right? Was it Valkyria Chronicles or was it Tales? It might have been Tales. See, because there are these two series that you and I frequently talk about. So I don't know which one came first. It's like a chicken and the egg kind of a <laughs> kind of a deal that we have going on here. Uh, but I just remember one time. Uh, it wasn't even that we were talking to each other about it. We, we were talking we just, to somebody else, and they were like, hey, he likes this stuff, too, and like yeah. pushed us together. It was an incident, because you've been a regular at the bar for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, I'm going and, there tomorrow. Yeah, and, and it, was, <laughs> it, it, it was definitely like a thing in passing, and I never would have guessed, you know, because I, you, you kind of don't tend to, you know, hang out with the same crowd that you're doing business with, like as a general kind of rule. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, you can get close, you can kind of become friends with them, but you try to, you know, keep it a little back. You don't want to take it too close to the vest. Uh, but I, I definitely remember, you know, the first time we had this conversation and I was like, no, you know what? The, this man here, I, <laughs> I admire the cut of his <laughs> Japanese inspired jib. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And if you can't tell, uh, on my door in my room, I have my name in Japanese kanji. Do you really? Your yeah. door is open. I didn't even like look at the yeah. inside of oh, it. Oh, you'll, you'll check it when, when, when you leave. It's, oh, I'm such a weeb, dude. I'm such a weeb. (laughs) Well, you and I share, like, similar gaijin roots, then. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, Mm. man, because we've we've talked about Valkyria Chronicles, uh, Tales of Symphonia, slash Tales of Zysteria, slash Tales of Vesperia. Tales of all of them. Tales of all of them. (laughs) Um, And 
We've we've shared love of Fire Emblem as yeah, well. Yeah, Fire Emblem, of course. Oh my gosh! Which uh, Three Houses? Is yeah, I, out. I, I I'm very excited. Finally. I saw the Nintendo Direct. I oh. yeah, Fire Emblem, the the Wizarding School of of, of Fire Emblem. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And I'm kind of stoked about it. I'm not gonna lie. And, and it's it's pretty interesting. They they kind of switched up the dynamic with the colors there. I, I was I, I was super excited. I saw you know the the red house, the, the you know imperial kind of house, which is true for a lot of GR. RPGs. They yeah. like to do that whole red as a color thing, uh, but I was I was expecting I was expecting it to be green and for them to say yeah. Slytherin or some <laughs> Snape would come out or you know something would happen there. Uh, but no, it it looks fantastic. Yeah, I am super stoked about it. I think they're doing a lot of uh, really cool things in terms of. Uh, gameplay design. Oh yeah, uh, I know they switched up to like squad based. That combat. actually, that's actually what I, I was going to mention. That is, it might be my favorite addition yeah. to the Fire Emblem franchise because I've been playing it since the beginning. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, I literally just bought a Nintendo Game Boy SP yeah, to ensure that I can keep playing <laughs> uh, the original Fire Emblem games in America. Yeah, uh, and I love I love uh, squad based. Uh, tile tactic games. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite oh, Final Fantasy game. Uh, the Super Robot Wars franchise that I mentioned <laughs> earlier is a squad-based tile uh, tile game. I love Fire Emblem. Uh, there's a new one that came out on the Switch very recently, uh, which takes a lot of Fire Emblem uh, with its thematics, mm-hmm. and it kind of fuses it with Advance Wars, which is another fantastic franchise. Is this the one that uh, Chris was playing? No, uh, Michael was playing. In yes. The, yeah. yeah, he was playing on his Switch at the bar. Wargroove, I think it was? I, I, I think it is called Wargroove. Yeah. yeah. I saw it, and I was like, this is super... No, Cole, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, spend, you spend enough money on games. <laughs> um, but I, I love... That squad aspect, it makes it feel a lot more atmospheric. That was what I enjoyed a lot about Advance Wars. You yeah. know, you, you have that army. The larger that army is when you're attacking, the more units you see when you're moving. Mm-hmm. And, and I like when you kind of go one or the other. Either you have a big army and a big squad, and you see a lot of, like, dynamic action where you feel that, you know, your decisions matter. You know, you take a hit, and suddenly your squad is smaller, and you feel that. Yeah. Um, or you go the complete opposite direction in the realm of, of, of Super Robot Wars. Uh, where instead of it being a small sprite animation, it's like a two-minute hand-drawn animated <laughs> cutscene where somebody shoots a guy into the sun and they explode like at a minimum of three times. Oh, <laughs> oh, the joys of just extraness that can happen in a JRPG. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we'll have you on some other point to talk other JRPGs. There's so many RPGs, but but there is one we're focusing but on. But there's today, one right? we're focusing on today. And that is, uh, oh, why don't you tell everyone what kind of pendant you're wearing right now? <laughs> so so to preface this, because there's so much that Cole and I have in common and our love for uh, JRPGs and, you know, Eastern culture, uh, we never really kind of settled on what today's episode was going to be about. Uh, so I came in and he's like, all right, man, I'm so, I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts today and I, I have all the games. And I, I was like, oh my God, I... I inadvertently came perfectly <laughs> prepared. Uh, my birthday is next week, actually. Hey! Uh, hey. And so, uh, for any of those who are familiar with the Kingdom Hearts franchise, there is a Birth by Sleep. It's some most people's favorite entry in the franchise. And uh, it follows the story of a group of three very close-knit like best friends, uh, Terra, Aqua, and Ventus. And the three of them have what's in essence like a friendship pendant uh, called Wayfinders. 
And so uh, I have two older brothers, and we all have them. And I was just given mine uh, as a birthday present a couple days ago. So I have a green wayfinder around my neck currently right now. I have it in my hand. Uh, and uh, my older brother, George Michael, has uh, a – his Terra's one, the yellow one. And then my oldest brother, John Pierre, has the uh, blue aqua wayfinder. George Michael? Yeah. That is the story of his life, and I have very much contributed to that joke myself. Yes, yes. <laughs> you knew what he was... Your parents knew what they were doing. Well, his original option was going to be Dijon, like the mustard, so he <laughs> lucked out in some regards and, and didn't in others. <laughs> I'll take... I, I think I'll take George Michael over Dijon. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think I'll take that every day. But, so... um. I personally have only played one entry in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Yeah, and, uh, and it was well, really even... like two or three, but that's just more like dipping my toe in the water. Yeah, and you dipped a toe in in a weird way. Yeah, know? I jumped in in Kingdom Hearts 2 of all things. Yeah, which is phenomenal. Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, is amazing. It might be my favorite entry in the franchise just because of how much changed over the series when that entry came out. Uh, but it is odd to go in, because it's technically the third game. Yeah. Because it was the first game, and then they went over to Game Boy Advanced, and they had uh, Chain of Memories. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And so then you had the second one. The second one revolutionized a lot. It It is the basis for most of the combat mechanics for the entire franchise. Mm. Um, but, uh, it, you know, phenomenal game. W- I mean, what did you think? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And the reason why I asked Hero to come on the show today is because uh, he he knows Kingdom Hearts better than just about anyone I know. <laughs> so I figured who better to try and explain one of the most convoluted stories it's, uh, in all of gaming it, to me and the rest of you yeah, uh, lovely listeners. Th- th- it's such like a like an amalgam thrown together and and at first, you know, when you're presented with the very first Kingdom Hearts game, um, I remember when it came out, I remember going to Electronic Boutique, uh, lo- looking at these games, rest in peace. Oh, uh, EB Games, yeah. Electronic <laughs> Boutique, oh, GameStop, um, you're the devil. Yeah, so I, I remember, you know, picking up the game, and on the back, uh, it, it had, you know, the facade of Sora from the side, very, very young, and it had some Disney characters on it. And it, it was such a bizarre twist on on video games because it came out of nowhere you know yeah. nobody expected that there'd be a mashup like uh square enix and disney uh so we were of course in, instantly drawn in we love final fantasy you know we live here so we're down the street from mickey mouse's house center stage yep so uh you know it's a slam dunk for everybody in our community i remember all of us going nuts and uh we put it in and it was surprisingly simple uh which now that i said that kind of makes sense because the theme song for kingdom hearts one is called simple and clean yeah uh but so many levels yeah <laughs> uh but in essence you know kingdom hearts one is really just a tale of adventure for a group of kids who are kind of stagnated on an island and, and they want more mm-hmm. uh because you know it follows for those of you guys who who you know might not go into the franchise it's it's a little intimidating to come into at first because there's now nine ten games um, and the story gets more confusing. With yeah. Every game. So you know, once it progresses enough, there's plenty of people I know who who have never touched the franchise because they they feel like it. There's too much to go over. Um, 
So if you're not familiar, uh, Kingdom Hearts follows the story of three kids uh, on a place called Destiny Islands. It's uh, Sora, uh, Riku, and a girl named Kairi. And uh, they're little, they're, they're really young, and uh, they have never experienced more uh, than what is on this very small island. I don't really honestly understand how, like, a <laughs> a society exists on it. it yeah, seems like, Destiny Island, like, you can go across it in, like, five minutes. Yeah, like, it seems like coconuts outnumbered. There's, like, there's outnumber. like, ten people who live there. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, don't you guys get... Get like claustrophobic yeah. and uncomfortable. The, uh, no adults. No, the, no adults. That they, that they present. They, <laughs> they, they apparently live with their parents, but it's very much a uh, an Ed, Ed and Eddie vibe. Yeah, <laughs> where there's where the just parents no parents are just never there. Um, and, and so it's them. There's some like special little cool cameo appearances. There's Titus and Waka from uh, Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Um, but they're just on this island, and they always have this dream of sailing away from the island. And due to calamitous events, uh, you know, Sora and Riku end up losing uh, Kairi, and they both go on their own separate ways on an adventure to try to get her back. Mm. Uh, and as the adventure progresses, you go through these Disney worlds, uh, and while Sora is on a journey of, you know, let's say light, uh, adventuring with Donald and Goofy, trying to, who are searching for Mickey. He's also missing because of this weird catastrophe that's now happening. It's connecting all of these Disney worlds together. Uh, Sora's going through. He's trying to fight these Heartless and protect the world from being consumed by this you know, dark force. Meanwhile, Riku is kind of being seduced by the darkness, but they're both trying to do the same thing, which is just find their friend. Yeah. After Kingdom Hearts 1, <laughs> which seems wholly unplanned it, it, once you hit the second game it started to feel like they were just being like well what if and then <laughs> how can we retroactively write the story so that it sounds like we planned it <laughs> but there's no feasible way that anybody planned this at all yeah mm. um but i i i, I loved that game when i was growing up and and the the story of mm-hmm. kids seeking adventure and you know getting a little lost along the way is something that, you know, we all kind of dealt with, you know, growing up, you know, it might not be the same thing as, you know, you want to explore new places. It could be, I mean, I had that kind of like cabin fever kind of thing when I was younger. Um, but it's also just like finding your way to do things, which I think was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the series happens, uh, chain of memories, uh, deals a lot with memories, you know, as the name implies, uh, and it's all about somebody willing to sacrifice what's important to them for the sake of somebody else, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I, I, I like the underlying thematics of these games. Uh, but Chain of Memories is awesome, and now that you have a Game Boy Advance SP, you I, can, I can pick play up it. a copy. I recommend they have they have a remastered version for you know the consoles, but uh, the sprite animation on the handheld one is awesome. <laughs> um, but it's a card it's a card based game, yeah, which is cool, just like Botan Kaidos and yeah, all these other games. Yeah, which we were that we just love. literally he had it in his hands earlier because <laughs> uh, I bought it uh, a couple days ago. Um, oh man. Goodness gracious. Yeah. As an aside, if you guys do like those card mechanic games, please pick up Bot and Kaidos. It's for the Nintendo GameCube. It's so good. Yeah, it's good. It's uh it's a wacky game. <laughs> I found out recently the game has garbage voice acting, which a lot oh, of yeah. old games do, but it turns out that a lot of that voice acting was actually intentional. Really? Uh, they they so not only were, were the lines delivered bad, that was probably unintentional. Um, but the audio quality, it sounds very tinny. 
which is weird. Like it just seems like like you. It sounds like you're hearing everything from far away. Uh, but it turns out that the developers actually did that because you don't actually play as the main cast of this game. Mm-hmm. You play as a spirit who is kind of pulled back, and you're just kind of like looking into this world and you're influencing it. Uh, uh, but so- they but they evidently did the sound editing on purpose so that it would sound like if you were not a hundred percent there. But you're, you're more as of, like an observer. Okay. Which was pretty neat. It's a pretty interesting concept. Yeah. And um, uh, going back to, yeah, uh, to Kingdom, Hearts. Kingdom Hearts and the the story of like two like two friends going like different paths for yeah. the same goal is a very um it's a very common trope, especially in Japanese. Oh yeah, for RBs. sure. Uh, especially in anime, first thing that comes to mind is usually Naruto and Sasuke. Yeah, a hundred percent. Guess what? Uh, that wasn't original. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So Kingdom Hearts did it first. <laughs> <laughs> but did it? Did it really? I can't even remember. Naruto's been around for a million years. Uh, yeah, I. I... I think it was actually around the same time yeah. that that came out. So it's pretty similar, but lots lots of animes have done it. And yeah. uh, it, it's always just a thing where, you know, there's always a character who's a little bit more rough around the edges, but they're trying to achieve the same goal. I mean, My Hero Academia does it. Dragon yep. Ball Z does it. Uh, Naruto does it. The you Vegeta know. to the Goku, the Bakugo to yeah. the Deku. Yeah, so it, it, it's a common trope, you know, for sure. And I think that Kingdom Hearts does it well. It can get a little convoluted because there's so much of a scope that they try to address. Yeah. Um, that, you know, in in this third game, the third game I think is fantastic. It, it is kind of mixed. Um, but yeah, th- that kind of thematic can get a little confusing. Yeah. And it did start to get a little confusing in, in Chain of Memories, you know, the second entry, um, because that one revolves around... Uh, a, the, the the group the the gang Sora Riku or Sora Donald and Goofy uh, they're still on the search for Mickey um, and Riku now who you know events have happened I won't spoil it for you please go play this series uh, but they end we up are finding no themselves no spoiler podcast yeah they end up finding themselves at a castle um, and they go into the castle but the rule for this castle which they're like told explicitly when they arrive is that the further in that they journey into the castle, the more that they're going to leave behind, like they're going to forget things. Uh, so it becomes about them wanting to lay it all on the line and, you know, save somebody that they care about. And losing a chain of memories. Exactly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you see what I did there? Oh, snap. <laughs> and then they, they kind of flip the thing on its head, and then you also play through the game as Riku, Whereas instead of you going through a group and, you know, you guys are sharing this burden together, Riku's on his own, and he's going on a journey of self-discovery instead of you giving up something for somebody else. Uh, So it is pretty cool to see the two kind of dyads of, you know, self-reflection, like introspection and outrospection of, you know, finding one's way. Yeah, I've I've always felt that, like... Kingdom Hearts games could seem very like simple on the surface. Oh yeah, but their themes are so adult and they're so um, important. I think for just all of society nowadays, the ability yeah, 100%. to look at, look at oneself and realize, um, realize and accept like essentially like the darkness in yeah. oneself and realize that that doesn't define you exactly as a person. Um, and and it's not like a shameless plug here, uh, but aside from my 
comedy gaming show that I do, I, I do another show where I do food and wine pairings with video games, but a big portion of that show is analyzing like w- why a game matters and and what it really means. Yeah. You know, people can talk about why, you know, I love Kingdom Hearts and I can wear necklaces of it and have a lanyard on my keys right now that's Kingdom Hearts and and stickers and you know all this stuff, but uh lots of people are quick to write off video games and people who are fans of video games as being very superficial. It's very surface level. The yeah. game is just a bunch of wacky kids beating up stuff with keys and, and it's just silly and and, and you know it doesn't matter, but you know, these games and, and part of the reason why JRPGs matter so much to me is they're usually heavily inundated with themes and, 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 and topics that are a lot more adult and relevant. Yeah. But they're presented in a way that's fun and accessible to people who are a lot younger. Yeah. And, and I think that playing those games and growing up around these kind of like cultures and themes actually made me, ask questions that I wouldn't have yeah. if I didn't play these things. Well, yeah, and it's it's so funny because so many people have these preconceived notions of gamers, um, as you said, being very like, superficial and shallow and stuff. And I was I was in class yesterday, um, and they were talking about, because um, I go to school for sp- sports casting, um, but they were talking about shout casting, how... Um, you know, they're worried about, like, the vocal training that these guys don't go through. They're just kind of, uh-huh. like, shouting and getting really happy. Um, and one of the guys just was like, was like, oh, well, this sound like a bunch of fanboys all the time. I was like, well, there's a lot going on they have yeah. to keep track of, <laughs> number one. Um, so they're always talking. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, he was like uh, and I told him, I was like, well, they have to do a lot of work. Like, you, if you've ever tried to keep track of an Overwatch League game, it's crazy. It's crazy. You yeah. can't... Fo- like, they're focusing on so many different screens at once. I'm baffled in the way they're able to do it. But I was like, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And he goes, I'm sorry, I don't know. He's like, I don't play video games. And I was like, okay, do you think you're better than me because you don't play video games? Because yeah. that's exactly how you're sounding. Yeah, I, there, there's like a huge stigma and a stereotype. And the most common ones that get equated are books versus video games yeah and people very frequently you know will be like oh you guys should put down you know your video games and pick up a book and read and stuff like that and granted there is a lot of merit to reading yeah but Um, the two aren't mutually exclusive yeah they're not exclusive you know a lot of times uh, especially a lot of these you know japanese kind of games like it's almost like a novel it's just something that the world is a lot more fleshed out and it gives you time instead of focusing on imagining it on your own, like if you were to read Harry Potter, you know, you won't picture it the same way that the movies presented it, you know, until you see it. Uh, but like, if you read the entire series, you never saw like media of Harry Potter. You never saw Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. You know, you never saw what Snape looked like and stuff like that. Your ideas of them are so radically different. And that's your mind, you know, churning through and picturing what it is that you're reading. Mm. But with video games, that's already presented to you. So instead of you and your mind focusing on like, oh, I wonder what this looks like and imagining, you know, the whole landscape, your mind is instead focusing on, you know, other things. They're focusing on these deeper topics, on these thematics, on like its personal connection to you. And it makes it a little bit more readily apparent. Yeah. And one of the things I love about JRPGs um, is they're always so incredibly story driven. Oh yeah. And 
in that story is how they connect with people. It's yes. not there. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, gameplay mechanics are yeah, that's that's always great. One one of one of the examples I think of when it comes to just the ability to connect with a story and because the rest of a lot of the gameplay mechanics were not great was Tales of the Abyss. Yeah. Yeah. Like just that story was fantastic. Um character growth and story was just so good. But the game mechanics were lift. Yeah, um, I, I think that the Tale series actually does a really good job of that, like as a whole, because you know you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, JRPGs, as opposed to Western RPGs, uh, they really tackle friendship and character growth a lot more head on than, than a lot of Western games, yep. because you know you take these big giant franchises like Halo. And, 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 you know, other Western giants. And a lot of it is a Paragon character. It's this guy who can do anything. And, and it's, you know, to its credit, it makes the player feel like they can do anything. And they're the strong, amazing person. And they're the pillar of strength that everybody relies on. But in JRPGs, it's a lot more on directly acknowledging the fact that the player cannot do everything on his own that he has to rely on these other people but the other people also have their own flaws like everybody needs each other it's it's a really cool like concept to acknowledge your own weakness in japanese rpgs it's very very frequent most of the time uh, Valkyria Chronicles is a perfect example. In a lot of the series, the main character struggles with like the confidence of leading, you know, and commanding a big platoon of people because yeah. there's a lot on the line. Yeah. As opposed to you know Master Chief, who's like, I got this, I got to shoot. Like everybody, follow me. You know, we can do this. Well, when I when I look at like like when I think of Western RPGs, Bethesda always comes to mind. Yeah. Um, because if you think about it, like Dragonborn. The Lone Wanderer, mm-hmm. whatever. They're very. There's not a lot of character growth. The person is if at the beginning of the game is essentially the same at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of fill in the blanks there in your own head. Yeah. But in <clears throat> in JRPGs, the the main the protagonist is always. It's usually somebody else. Yeah. Or it's somebody else going through some type of. Uh, like life altering type of growth or experience that allows them to look at everything completely differently by the end of the game. Yeah, Western RPGs have a very uh, mirror kind mm-hmm. of uh, aspect, and they do it on purpose. It's part of traditional like Western game design. Yeah, um, you want to make your avatar uh, pretty blank. Uh, because you want for the player to project their s- themselves onto it. They can yeah. easily see themselves in the scenario because the player character isn't doing stuff that the player wouldn't. Exactly. They aren't saying things they wouldn't. Their personality isn't very particularly defined. That's why Bethesda does such a good job because it lets you decide if you want to be you know, mean, if you want to be good. Uh, but Eastern RPGs and JRPGs, they have a fleshed-out character and so it makes you project your personality, like, aspects, the very specific things about you that you identify with that character. So if, they, if the main character immediately, you know, expresses weakness or some kind of sensitivity, you will innately 
discover that own part about yourself, Mm -hmm. which is great because it helps you actually come to terms with different parts of different facets of your personality. Do you think that's why um, so many people kind of like identify with Sora in... Yes. Um, in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, and, and it's actually seen this pretty cool <laughs> shift uh, where a lot of Kingdom Hearts has to do with, like, innocence and, and light versus dark. Uh, so when you're younger, you know, t- me, my friends, a lot of us, you see a lot of Sora in yourself. You're this uh, bright person who is seeking adventure, who is faced with all of these difficult decisions and as such has to, you know, mature over time. You know, you play Kingdom Hearts 1 and you see the way that Sora interacts with Donald and Goofy and you play Kingdom Hearts 2 and it's radically different. It's radically different. You know, he's grown up a lot. Like, they've gone through hardships. And And the whole Roxas storyline as well. And so there's this interesting dynamic over the course of the franchise where you start off identifying a lot with Sora and you end up identifying a lot with Riku. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. And if it was intended, well done. <laughs> well done, Square Enix. Uh, that being said, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of unfortunately dials it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sora kind of, I would say, regresses into a little bit more of like a childlike uh, demeanor between uh, Donald and Goofy. Yeah. And I think they wanted to do it so they could really contrast the two characters. Uh, but, you know, going through the series, you know, we were at Chain of Memories, you know, you're losing things in order to save somebody you go to kingdom hearts 2 and kingdom hearts 2 is kind of the culmination of this this now budding storyline of a character named roxas yeah who uh is inside of sora for lack of a better term um and the oddest thing is 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 you literally start playing as him with no there's no context there's no time you're like where's sora why am i playing this this exactly this random swoopy haired dude yeah and it was like it was like an hour or two of of just playing as this guy in this town that you've never heard of yeah uh and it was weird it was so weird but you like kind of develop this like pseudo attachment to this character and then you come to find out that he is for all intents and purposes you know because we don't want to spoil the stuff on here uh he's like another for another part of of sora yeah um and so you go through the second game where you're kind of learning more about this hidden organization and about these other halves of people that exist. And then you start getting into this long, what, 13 year span of time between (laughs) kingdom hearts two and kingdom hearts three, which was just inundated with tons of side series. Uh, but going back to kingdom hearts two real quick, would you say that the theme of that game was essentially just Sora, like losing his innocence for the most part? Absolutely. Because that's that was the vibe I felt when I was playing it. Like everything that was happening to Sora was just wrecking his entire worldview from like the first game. Yeah. Well and, and, and wrecking is kind of like a, a a good operative word. The first Kingdom Hearts game features a lot of the 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 three amigos being very reckless. Yeah. And the second game is kind of like the first real like crazy hard decision that they had to do but they kind of just charge straight into it you know they're like okay whatever i'll sacrifice everything no problem let's just go um kingdom hearts 2 is very much about like coming to terms with your decisions Mm -hmm. understanding that you know what you do has very real implications and consequences for you and the people around you yeah so it's very frequent to see sora having to address the fact like he did something in a previous game and now he has to answer for it. And it's hard. It's hard to, to 
acknowledge the choices that you've made if they negatively affect somebody else. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. You know, and that the same way, you know, after I finished playing Kingdom Hearts 2, amazing epic saga, like the ending, you know, is very intense. Then you sit there and the credits are playing, the music's playing, and it really hits you that like you have matured as well, like as a person over this time period from when you played this first game until you finish the second one. Um, And then it goes into overdrive (laughs) with these things. Uh, All of these spinoffs are on mobile games. Uh, They're in different consoles. There's DS, PSP. uh, There's a phone game, uh, (laughs) which was like an exclusive to Japan thing. Uh, It was like a PC game, and then it it ended up turning into a movie. Um, There's a whole lot. There's a lot. But yeah, so you go through these side stories, and these side stories kind of focus uh, a lot on other characters. There's the DS title, 358 over two days. Um which is like almost a year span told over the course of two days. That's why that's where the title comes from. Um, And it follows mainly two characters, this guy Roxas, who is in this organ, this shadow organization called organization 13, uh, which is kind of in essence, the main antagonists uh, for the franchise as we know it. Um, And another character named Shion, who I won't go into Shion's very specifics, uh, because that is very, very huge spoiler territory. (laughs) Um, But it is the story of two people that are torn apart by grief Mm. um, because of the nature of who they are and what their objective is. Uh, And it is heart-wrenching. It is incredibly sad it was converted into a movie for the uh the hd releases so like Mm -hmm. if you have the 1.5 2.5 or the story so far um it's turned into probably about like a two-hour movie maybe a one-hour movie uh but i have cried numerous times uh (laughs) over the course of that game which had never happened before uh you know i've felt things playing Mm -hmm. this franchise but that was the first game that really really just like took a straight punch to your gut right and connected with the part of people that have suffered a heavy loss. Mm. There's always this enigmatic kind of fluid, like, uh, you're kind of losing Kyrie, you're kind of losing Riku to the darkness, you know, you're kind of losing your way, uh, but they never really explicitly dealt with death or the loss of somebody where somebody's just gone out of your life the way that they do in 358 over two days, which was actually awesome. You know, you had this kind of tonal shift down into a bit more darker adult territory with Kingdom Hearts 2, but at the end of the day, it was still very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, 358 over 2 was like, no, 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 no. We can be adult too. Um, and then you go into Birth by Sleep, uh, which is kind of the framework for the entire game. Yeah. Because uh, it follows those three characters, Aqua, Terra, and Ventus, and it sets up the rest of the franchise. It answers questions, you know. Why Keyblade? The Keyblade War? Yeah. What, why does Sora and Riku, why do they even have Keyblades? What, why did any of this happen? Like, it, there's this Organization 13, which has been this main antagonist kind of group for where the series. But, like, where did they come from? What, what, why, why are they the antagonist? And Birth by Sleep takes place years and years ago. This is way in the past. Um how is it possible that, like, they're the antagonists? Like, then who is the antagonist for this franchise? And you end up getting more details about what this overall looming darkness is that has superseded the entire franchise. Yeah. Uh, amazing, amazing title. 
uh, really cool combat mechanics that they introduced in there. If you guys have played Kingdom Hearts 3, there's those like action commands that you guys get all the time in combat, which started in Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, and kind of got perfected in, in but, Birth by Sleep. Yeah, Birth by Sleep introduced uh, these like command kind of forms uh, where in Kingdom Hearts 2, you had this like gauge where you can transform into an extra version of yourself. There's Valor, Mystic, Master, Final Form. There's all so, these awesome that forms. That was so, so cool. Valor form was so legit. Absolutely, for me. Yeah, dude. Two keyblades. <laughs> you're running all kind of like Naruto style. Like, <laughs> I, I freaked out the first time that I did a transformation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, have a, I always have a soft spot for Valor form. Absolutely, man. It got, it got the short end of the stick. It was the first form you get, so everybody was like, eh, "It's the weakest," but it's it not. is amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Anti Sora, the Dark Shadow form, which you hated getting. Uh, in a boss fight because it had zero defense and had <laughs> no ability to heal itself, uh, but was wildly fun. <laughs> <laughs> and wildly overpowered. It was insane. I, there was so much happening on the screen when that guy comes out. You turn into like a shadow form of yourself, uh, and the as you press X, as you do, you button mash the attack buttons, Sora is flying around faster than your eyes can physically process. <laughs> and you're just shooting across the screen, hitting everybody. And you're not doing a terrible amount of damage with any one hit. But when you attack like 480 times <laughs> over the course of one second, you take your enemies down <laughs> relatively quickly. <laughs> um, but it, uh, it, it, Birth by Sleep introduced this like kind of like command form uh, prompt where... Uh, your skills and magic wasn't based on gauges. It wasn't based on like a bar that filled up. It was time-based. So you kind of set up like a deck and you can use these abilities and over time they would recharge. Uh, but as you used abilities and as you attacked, you got like freebie spells mm -hmm. and freebie abilities and freebie transformations that would just last for short periods of time. Um, so it was a really cool way to differentiate combat. You know, if you focus on using... Uh, magic, you're, you know, you're going to get a better magic spell. If you focus on doing attacks, you're going to get a form that changes up your attack pattern, mm. um, which I think is a crucial development in the world of JRPGs uh, because as much as we have talked all these amazing things about JRPGs, they're not for everybody. And, and one of the whole reasons why uh, they tend to not be for uh, people in the West, it's because they can be repetitive. Yeah. Uh, lots of old school RPGs like Final Fantasy, you know, it's turn-based combat. It can get frustrating that you're doing the same thing, and for the most part, once you found your groove, that's it. You'll just do the same thing over and over again. That's why card-based combat mechanics are always fun, at least for Cole and myself, uh, because it there's the random aspect. You know, your deck yeah. is shuffled. You never really know what you're going to get. You never know. Yeah, it, it's a Forrest Gump kind of Do you scenario. Feel lucky, <laughs> punk. <laughs> and then, um, you know, you get presented with this action, you know, RPG like Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry and all these other, you know, action RPGs. Uh, but you can kind of find a groove of like what combo you're going to use every time. Uh, but Birth by Sleep kind of changed it up because you could change up your attack pattern based on the enemy. And you were rewarded for that. You know, you got these cool new abilities that you could access. Um, and then we hit into uh, Birth by Sleep, or not Birth by Sleep, uh, Dream Drop Distance on the 3DS. Uh, and that one had an interesting time mechanic. I didn't like it. Yeah. it. it <sighs> they always try to do something new with the game, which is good. It's it, all, it, it's I, will good. Always, I will always applaud taking risks yeah and i respect it to do i respect it 
But this one, I didn't work for me. Yeah, it, it's another Sora Riku, uh, you know, two halves of the same coin kind of a thing. So you play as both of them. However, you're on a timer. And as you fight things and do stuff, you can kind of extend your timer. But once that timer runs out, which can happen at any point in the game, unless you're in a cutscene, it can happen. It can happen <laughs> in the middle of a boss fight. You could be about to beat a boss that you've tried 10 times and you couldn't beat him. And at the last second, your timer runs out and your character falls asleep <laughs> and you switch over to the other person. And when you switch back, you don't switch back to the same exact moment. You switch back to like the most recent moment. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're like, just like, like the start of a fight. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, like so, Cleveland. Yeah. Flying out of the no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, Interesting mechanic. Not executed the best. Yeah. Um, but they, they kind of expanded on, on that, that combat mechanic and then introduced flow motion, which was weird. Um, yeah, that was weird, too. Yeah, it ended up kind of becoming, like, the, the integral thing to do for most of the game. Yeah. Um, Very parkour-ish. Yeah, it, it was a way for you to kind of traverse territory more readily, uh, which is neat. It, it was neat to be able to climb up to a high place by jumping off walls and hitting grind rails and doing all these sorts of things instead of having to, you know, solve the puzzle of finding where the ladder is and trying to jump across, you know, heavy platforming. Yeah. Uh, so that was neat. It, it made the backtracking that you often do in JRPGs to access secrets a lot less frustrating because you can move wildly fast across these landscapes. Yeah. Um, but it ended up kind of becoming like a, like, like a crutch you relied a little bit too much on flow motion because you could dash into a wall. It, for the most part, you have to interact with the environment in some capacity to activate it. So you'll roll or dash into a wall, and then you go into flow motion mode, and then you get new attacks while you're in flow motion. Mm. They're usually very strong and very fast. Uh, so you very frequently find yourself just being like, where's the closest wall? Where's the closest <laughs> wall? I, I, I just need a flow motion full fast. <laughs> And, and, and people, you know, make memes and they make jokes about it where people are sitting there scratching their necks like, you all got any flow motion around here? <laughs> and, and, and so th that, that was a clear sign that they kind of leaned a little too hard into a mechanic. Yeah. Um, and then all of that culminates in Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, which is incredibly ambitious. Yeah. Um, I will, uh, one second, I yeah. will go back to, um, do you remember when Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, the uh, trailer dropped? Yes. And everyone was like, this is Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. <laughs> and I yes. remember I watched that trailer like 10 times yep. because it was so epic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was, you know, to have a scope of that nature and to see so many new people, everybody was like, yeah, this is it. Like, the, this is what we've been waiting for. This is going to, the questions are going to be answered um, we're no, gonna, it, just, it just raised more. It, it raised <laughs> an infinite number of questions. Um, and it was cool, you know, going back to Birth by Sleep, because it's told through three different storylines. It's yep. told through the eyes of Ventus, Aqua, and Terra, but you play through the same events. They might happen in a different order because you're going to lands in a different order, um, but you see the same story from different angles, which is a very often used trope in certain like rpg franchises uh persona is one that does it all the time yeah. um but kingdom hearts hadn't really done it they, they acknowledge the fact that there is more side to a story than just one 
by addressing the fact that there's more ways to approach a problem than one with the whole, you know, sword Riku wanting the same objective through different means. But in Birth by Sleep, you actually see events happen to characters and you're presented with it, you know, in a very direct way. You know, you have Ventus, who is a young, budding apprentice learning the ways of the Keyblade under these the tutelage of two different masters, Master Ericus and Master Xehanort, Masters of Light and Dark, respectively. Um, because at this point in the franchise, they've addressed the fact that light and dark doesn't mean good and evil. Not really. Um, light and darkness are just two parts of a scale. They balance each other out. So Ventus, who's very young and very naive, is you know being taken advantage of he's being manipulated yeah and that happens all the time you Would know you, in real Ventus, life who everyone thought was Roxas exactly they look exactly the same <laughs> you when you go through it you're gonna be like hold on a second <laughs> um and then you have the other two characters Terra and Aqua who are older who are more experienced and so you go through this game you play I, I believe the order of which I played the game was Ventus, Terra, then Aqua. You I always think. start off with Ventus because he looks like Roxas. Yeah. And so everyone's like... Um, so you yeah. got a default. I want to know. So you play through and, you know, you have this naive kid who's being pulled apart by multiple forces who are, you know, they want him to do this. They want him to do that. He's questioning it. And he ends up kind of like rebelling and being like, I need to find these things out for myself. Uh, and then you go through Terra. Terra is a very strong character. I mean, hell, Terra means Earth, like for He's crying super out loud. Jacked. Yeah. <laughs> like it, they really, really kind of sometimes make it a little too obvious with their theming. Um, <laughs> but Terra is this very, very strong person. Um, and, you know, there is the very popular saying that absolute power absolutely, or corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's somebody who's presented with a lot of power and without the correct focus, you know, he can be corrupted. And so that is the central theme for Tara's adventure. And uh, he means well. It's one of the tragic tales of somebody who has the best intentions, who because they have so much power and so much ability, they're blinded to the fact that what they're doing may not be the best. Um, and then you have Aqua, and Aqua's kind of in the middle. You know, uh, she's blue. It's the stereotypical color for wisdom. Uh, she is, uh, like, magic kind of focused as opposed to Terra, who's strength-focused. Uh, so y- you kind of get this stereotypical uh, character a bit uh, with Aqua, who is a very metered and measured person who mm-hmm. is seeing things from an outside perspective and, you know, sees what is happening to Terra and sees what's happening to Ventus and wants to stop it. But, you know, when you're a measured person, how do you really go about helping somebody in a way that isn't too one way or Mm -hmm. too much the other? Yeah. And so... Trying to find that middle ground. Exactly. And, you know, very, very often the problem with having that, you know, middle of the road measured approach is, yes... You do kind of appease both sides, but you also have two enemies on both sides as opposed to just one. You know, if you're just light, your enemy's dark. Yeah. If you're just dark, your enemy's light. But if you take the middle approach, there's going to be enemies on both sides. Yeah, if you're gray, you, you deal with the, the with light both. and the dark. Yeah, and so you get this amazing finale, which if you guys ever play Birth by Sleep... You probably should play it in that order, Ventus, Terra, then Aqua. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter my, the first two. I have my old PSP. You do? Literally sitting down in front of me. Is Birth by Sleep in there? Birth by Sleep is on there. Hell yes. Yes. <laughs> um, um, 
along with Tactics Ogre. Let us clean oh, phenomenal, together. Oh. phenomenal franchise. We'll, we'll, we'll have we'll we'll have a whole conversation about that later on. Good grief, mm-hmm. we can have a whole conversation about tactical RPGs. Oh my goodness, We're, this this is not going to be my only time here. <laughs> I guarantee you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, you get this amazing finale for this three part game of somebody who you can identify a lot with. It's not very frequent in any of our lives that we are extremely one way or the other. Um, so you get this girl who wants to save both friends, but acknowledges that like she can't, you know, she's one person. How can you do all of this? And it's, that is almost one of the biggest examples in the franchise of self-sacrifice. Yeah. That's why Aqua is very, very unanimously loved. Everybody loves this girl to death. And, um, birth by sleep happened we all thought it was kingdom hearts 3 it happens you play the game and it leaves on this huge cliffhanger <laughs> it acknowledges so much of the franchise it, it it sets up the events of the kingdom hearts franchise because like i said like we said earlier this is a prequel this happens way beforehand uh so so you get this amazing cliffhanger but we're sitting there dying and the only game that came out between birth by sleep and um Kingdom Hearts 3 was, at the time, uh, Birth by, or, uh, Dream Drop Distance, which only kind of addressed Terra Aqua and Ventus. They pretty much named them and said, oh, we got to help these guys out too. And then you had Union Cross, which was that PC game from Japan, um, which deals almost primarily with the very beginning of the world of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, with these people called the Forerunners, why Keyblades exist, the Keyblade War, all of these crazy terms that you've heard a million times throughout this franchise at this point, but haven't had too much context for. Uh, so very good illuminating kind of uh, entry into the series. They turned it into a movie since it was that you know Japanese PC game. Uh, so watch the movie. It's actually pretty good. It's only about an hour long. Um, and then there's just this nebulous nothing and then yeah. you know kingdom hearts 3 gets a release date and everybody gets excited and then, gets and then they back. release yeah they release 2.8 for the record we can talk about the fact that kingdom hearts has the weirdest naming and the weirdest numbering <laughs> thing there's nine games we just got the third game uh <laughs> it's uh first off also um they they know exactly what they're doing which is why they kept releasing like 2.8 and 2.1.5 2.5 final mix yeah, and stuff like that 2.937 they're, like, they're like we're just <laughs> kingdom hearts pie yeah <laughs> i'm i'm waiting is that if that's not the name of the definitive edition of kingdom hearts 3 with added dlc i'm off of the square enix train <laughs> I, i'm boycotting so if you're hearing this square enix um yeah. You have the chance to lose two very important people. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole hundred people possibly <laughs> listening to this podcast. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so so we had this giant wait to get the answers of what is going on with our one trio of, you know, uh, Kyrie, Sora, and Riku, and then what is going on with this other trio? We've been introduced to this other characters, and they've just been there. What is going on? You know, we have two sets of antagonists now. We have, like, the current antagonist with the organization. We have the former antagonist that's been the superseding, overarching main villain, who I won't spoil. Yep. Um, but, you know, you learn in in the course of these games. And and Kingdom Hearts 3 is supposed to be like the 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 end all the answer to everything and, and i'll tell you straight up i haven't beaten the game yet i, I am currently in uh, the big hero six world which i'm very excited about because yeah. i am hero so of course i'm biased <laughs> um but 
you know, it brings us to this game where we've been waiting for years, for over a decade for this game to come out. And, and it finally comes out. We've been through development trailers and teasers and all of this. And we're expecting for it to be the greatest game that's ever come out. Yeah. And is it? No. Uh, but is it the worst game? No. It's kind of mixed. So there's a lot of people that very much love the game. I'm one of them. I haven't gotten to the end yet, so I won't be able to really kind of give you my full review of how the game kind of ties this franchise together. Uh, but mechanically, the game is wonderful. It ties in a lot of what the entire series has led up to. The Kingdom Hearts games, every time they introduce a new game, there's always some kind of new combat mechanic, mm-hmm. um, barring the card base you know, thing in yeah. Chain of Memories. But you, know, you have the first game with the normal stuff. You have the second game with drive forms and action commands. You have... Um, birth by sleep with uh with the the command form like prompt things and you have a dream drop distance with uh flow motion uh and then you get to kingdom hearts 3 and it's all integrated together and they add new things to it they have the attractions which are interesting um they can get a little annoying uh, because you get them every five seconds, uh, but it, it's it's a unique new thing. But they have everything kind of integrated seamlessly. But there's a lot. I mean, you're talking about eight to nine games worth of combat mechanics, all refined and distilled into one final game. And so, if you're a veteran of the franchise, it's amazing. Yeah, it it's a wonderful development of action RPGs and the attention to detail and how to kind of mix them together and balance them is done wonderfully. If you're new to the franchise and this is the first Kingdom Hearts game you've played or maybe you've played Kingdom Hearts 2 and that's the only one you've played and you go into it, it's very overwhelming Mm -hmm. and very jarring. There's a lot happening on the screen at the same time and there's so many different things that you can do. You know, you take Final Fantasy, it's all in a menu for you. You attack, you use an item, or you use magic. That's it. <laughs> but in Kingdom Hearts 3, you have regular attacks, you have magic attacks, you have command forms, you have shot lock, you have summons, you have links. There's so much stuff that you can do in this game that I don't really blame the bit of backlash that the game has received. A lot of people are just like, there is so much going on in this game. I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And that Just, like overwhelming exactly, and that kind of doubles over for the storyline. You know, I can sit there and kind of talk about the entirety of the story, but it would take like twenty to thirty minutes just to start <laughs> from the beginning and get to the end. And the game has to acknowledge all of that, yeah, because it it can't assume that every player has played this franchise, yeah. So what you get is very superficial nods two things that have happened in the franchise, which if you played the games and you've been a part of this, you know, 10, 15 year long saga have deep, deep gravity and weight to them. You know, uh, there's characters in there that have gone through so much development, so much heartache. You know, they, they've changed size. There's good people that are bad. There's bad people that are good and uh, people that, you know, we've lost. And all of that has this immense weight to it. You know, I went to the Kingdom Hearts World Orchestra mm-hmm. in Philadelphia the last year. I'm going to, there's one actually happening here in Orlando <gasps> in June. It's happening yes. June 22nd. If you guys haven't bought tickets, please do it. It's a wonderful show. Um, 
And the second these characters, these tragic stories, their themes play, people start crying. Yeah. And how do you convey that with just a, with quick a passing phrase? Yeah. So people are coming into this game not understanding, like, why does any of this matter? Why do we care about this character? Why does it matter if this person is doing this thing? And to its credit, the game doesn't have the time to sit there and go through it. Mm-hmm. There's just too much. So a lot of the people that have played these games and have gone through the series, they get very high marks for Kingdom Hearts 3. You know, you're getting high 8s, high 9s on this game. But people who haven't, who've never played Kingdom Hearts and go into it, they're giving the game 5, 6 as a rating. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, yeah, there's just all this superficial garbage happening. Yeah. It's a muddled combat mess. And at the end, with the payoff, like, I don't care. And, and, and that's a problem. It's a problem with conveyance, which is like a central thing for game design. Yeah. And it's something that JRPGs very fundamentally have issues with because they scope their series so long. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a Western series like Gears of War, where the series has gone on for four or five games, I believe now. Yeah, I think um, we're game, Gears of War 5 now. Yeah, and that already is a huge, expansive game, but it is very cinematic, and you have these very few characters that you deal with and the antagonist is primarily the people who change you know you have marcus phoenix you have dom uh and and the rest of the crew baird and cole coltrane love coltrane i can't ever play gears of war and not think of you anymore like i'm not even kidding (laughs) i feel i feel special i uh i there's there's a story that we'll talk about later okay in regards to coltrane yeah and so uh so, you know, you have these characters, you come to know them, but it's these characters. They introduce little characters here and there between the franchise, but they're usually killed off or something happens where you don't really see them anymore. So even when you're building this longer franchise, it's very easy to process. But JRPGs have this, this weird trope where they try to keep as many characters as they can and constantly barrage you with new characters. So most of the series that Cole and I love to death, Bot and Kaidos, you know, Valkyria Chronicles, they're these series that don't do that, that no. don't have such a long history of games behind them, and that when they do have new games, they usually are an entire new cast. Yeah, Valkyria so Chronicles 4 is, is the exact same war for, yeah. done from a different perspective. They have acknowledged the cast of Valkyria Chronicles 1, like, twice in yeah. that game, as far as I've gotten. Yeah. And it's, they don't never, not even by name, just by, like, like, if you catch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that was Recurrent Chronicles 1. Um, but then you get a franchise like Kingdom Hearts 3 where not only are they keeping a lot of characters, but they're constantly adding new characters. They're constantly adding antagonists, and they're not really resolving them. But I also heard uh, somebody's complaint uh, when it came to um, Kingdom Hearts 3 was the lack of Final Fantasy characters. Yes, and I don't actually know why that is. And there's there's theories about why they wouldn't introduce Final Fantasy characters, uh, which is bizarre. They've been such a heavy thing in the franchise so far. Yeah. You know, Cloud, Squall, Tifa. Everyone remembers that Sephiroth fight from, yeah. from uh, what was that, one or two? It, both. Yeah. But the, the, the one, the main one was Kingdom Hearts 1 with Sin Harvest yes. in the Colosseum. And you got to time that elixir so right when your health drops to one, you max out your health so when he warps to you, you don't die in one hit. <laughs> 
God, I spend way too much time fighting that guy. <laughs> way too many times throwing my controller down. It, it, uh, that fight. But it, it, it is weird yeah. as a stylistic choice, but there was one fundamental difference between that entry in the series and the rest of the franchise, and that's the Pixar addition to things. Mm-hmm. Because all the other ones went through Disney classics. You know, you're talking about Lion King, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, you yeah. know, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, but then you go into this one, you have Rapunzel and Frozen and Big Hero 6. Yeah. And all of these Pixar franchises, except for one, which is Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> for whatever reason or other, I don't really know why that one got into the mix. It's Captain Jack Sparrow. That's yeah, and granted, that world is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Because you get to actually control boats in that one, which <laughs> is really neat, and you get this awesome naval combat. So I I was beside myself when I played through the world. Photorealism, which was really neat. Uh, it's always kind of weird to see, you know, characters that you know from their human counterpart, you know, to see Johnny Depp and to see Orlando Bloom uh, in this weird, like, photorealism world no. next to Donald. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you try to blend the two and have, like, a photorealism Donald, kind, it, it's very weird. Um, but I don't really know how Pirates of the Caribbean kind of thematically snuck in there, but it also is the only one that does another thing in the game. It was another complaint that people had, aside from no Final Fantasy characters, is when you played through the rest of the games, you had awesome boss fights. You fought Jafar. You fought Captain Hook. You fought the villains of these games. You know, when you... Oh, you fought Ursula, too? Yeah, you fought... Kingdom Hearts 2. You go to Mulan's world, you fight Shan Yu. (laughs) I, I never expected that I would sit there and fight that man with his curved little sword and his little falcon guy and everything like that. The leader of the Hun army. Yeah. And uh, you go into Kingdom Hearts 3, and in all of these Pixar worlds, you don't fight the villain. Mm. You know, I was expecting to go to Toy Story World and to fight, like, like Sid, Sid. Or some version of, like... Like, like some of his abomination toys. Yeah. And then it kind of take that whole misunderstood route. We beat him up, and then we're like, oh, no, we're actually, like, oh, we, we can all be friends. You know, that whole sort of deal. Um, but it doesn't happen. You just fight... Like some kind of mega heartless, mm-hmm. uh, except for one, which is Pirates of the Caribbean. You fight. You actually fight um, uh, Davy Jones, mm. and it's an amazing boss fight. You know, it, it's cool that you have this kind of, you know, the heartless, the nobodies, the unversed, like all these different little cartoony kind of villains. Um, but it was that culmination when you get to the end and you see that cinematic moment from a movie when you see Jafar turn into the colossal genie and you're like, crap, now how, you, how do I fight this? Yeah, how do I deal with this? You know what? Like Aladdin beat him by but w- with like a trick. <laughs> and, and, and how, how am, am I supposed to beat him with, with a giant g- g- keyblade? <laughs> like it, it's not even a sword. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just a long club. Yes. <laughs> how am I supposed to melee a being with infinite cosmic power into submission? <laughs> but then you were just presented with a bigger Tee form of <laughs> but you beat just a bigger form of what you've already been fighting like yeah. it takes a lot of that gravitas down then you fast forward to when you're in um 
uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean, and you're on the open water, and there's like a storm happening, which isn't a spoiler, but like of course there's a storm happening. There's it's a storm Pirates happening. The it's Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. So, 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 so you're on a boat. There's all this stuff happening around you. You're, you're fighting this guy. He's directly speaking to you and to Jack Sparrow, and you're working together, and it's awesome. It is great, and that was probably one of my favorite worlds, which shouldn't have been. Yeah, I have seen one Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> I moderately enjoy the ride at Disney. It, it's a pretty good ride. It's not bad. Not bad. Um, you know, it, it's a very iconic role for Johnny Depp. Uh, but nowhere is it near like my top ten Disney movies or mm. franchises. And yet, I felt like I was having the most fun in that world than any other world in Kingdom Hearts Three. Um, they're presented beautifully. The the story in each one are cool. It is nice to see the newer movies being addressed so directly. Like, you know, you have uh, Arendelle. Uh, yeah. Or no, I'm sorry, not Arendelle. Corona, the world of Rapunzel. Mm. Um, and you go through these cutscenes, and they are almost frame for frame the same as the movie. Wow. But they integrate... Sora, Donald, and Goofy. So it's kind of fun to see these scenes that you've watched a ton of times before, but seeing the characters also interacting with Sora as well in the same context. It's it's neat and it's fun. Um, but why only Sora? You yeah. know, you don't get Kingdom Hearts or uh, Final Fantasy characters also thrown into the mix. Well, do you think do you think that um, the loss of Final Fantasy characters may have had something to do with kind of we we're, we're mentioning. Sora regressing. Yeah. Because um, I would say Final Fantasy has always focused a lot on somber. Yes, um, for sure. Very uh, intense themes. Do you think that them taking those kind of characters out maybe subconsciously I ha- think had the so. developers... The, the writers just were like, oh, well, you know, these these ways we were able to kind of shoehorn these, these topics in aren't really there anymore. Yeah. So. I, I think it's kind of like a, and this is just my personal theory. Um, I think it's kind of like a threefold issue. Mm-hmm. I think that it definitely is that. I think that um, Final Fantasy was taken out for whatever reason. Uh, and because of that, it did lose the ability to translate a lot of these darker tones. You know, you had Cloud in the Colosseum in Kingdom Hearts 1 and in Chain of Memories. And he very directly addresses loss and the fact that he is willing to do something which he understands is bad because he wants to do something good. That is an adult topic. It is presented very directly to the player and it's with a character who, if you've played Final Fantasy VII before, like you understand his motivations and why he's willing to go to this length. It's a great way to convey that kind of a theme. When you take that out, who do you have? Is Donald going to be the one that, that conveys that to you? <laughs> yeah, the only thing he's conveying in Kingdom Hearts 3... terrible Donald impression. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a lot better than I could do. Um, so I think it's part that. I think it is that acquisition of Pixar titles. You know, Pixar and Disney movies. Aside from the fact that there can be Pixar movies that have, you know, these darker tones, they are relegated to children's movies. Yeah. And I think that maybe they were only willing to allow those Pixar movies to appear in this game if they had a hand in the writing. So they didn't want to present worlds with too dark of a thematic. So maybe they couldn't shoehorn in these Final Fantasy characters to address these things. Um, And then finally, 
you know, we have to address the fact that this game came out 13 years after the second game. That's a whole generation afterwards. They skipped an entire console generation. Exactly. And, 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 and a human generation. You know, yeah. when I started playing this, this game franchise, I was a teenager. Yeah, and I'm, I'm turning 28 in a week. And, you know, you look at Kingdom Hearts 3 and you have to remember, like, yes, this game is very much the culmination of an adventure that people in their early teens, if not younger, have been going on for, you know, over a decade. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of new people coming into this franchise. So I think it's one of those 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 situations where you have to try and cater to everyone and no one's satisfied. And it's the Star Wars problem. Yeah. And Disney acquired it, and they acknowledge the fact that Star Wars is a series that's been going on for multiple decades, but these new movies have to cater towards the old fans and the new fans, and there is no way to please both. Yeah. And and I very, very much think that that last reason is a primary factor into why the game is presented the way it is. Um, But I still don't really know why they couldn't find a way to integrate Final Fantasy characters into it if not for use as a like a plot device, just as a like nod to the fact that that's how the franchise started. Yeah. It's a very, very big part is to see the blending of these two worlds. So just to see it focused on an original character and Disney makes it feel like a Disney game mm-hmm. and not like a Disney and Final Fantasy game or like a JRPG. Mm-hmm. It just feels like Disney just did a thing. Okay. They well, did a good thing. So, uh, we've gone for a bit over an hour already, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think um, we'll try and finish it up. I have a question for you as as to finish. Uh, If you were to recommend any uh, Kingdom Hearts game outside of the three Capstone games, uh, say say two. Okay. Two two games for any of the Kingdom Hearts fans, anyone who wants to get in the series to play. If you wanted to get in the series, um, absolutely Birth by Sleep. Okay. Uh, the mechanics are great, you know, the story is great, and it's very easy to pick up and put down. Uh, and it, it's kind of its own thing, because mm-hmm. it follows these new characters, so there'll be some stuff that you'll be lost on, but for the most part, you can follow the story of these three people, and it's very relatable. Uh, the other one is kind of a toss-up, based on your personal preference. I would recommend Chain of Memories on the actual Game Boy Advance, because it's sprite-based, it's 2D, it's kind of pulled back like an isometric angle, so it's different, and it's fun. It's a fun mobile game, Um, so if you want to do different kind of mechanics and a different look to things, and you like that old-school 16 kind of bit, definitely pick up Chain of Memories. Um, If not, and you just kind of want to play another addition to the series, uh, I I would actually recommend 358 over two days. Um, If you want to play a game that very much makes you feel something. Hmm. All right. Well, you have Hero's recommendations. Well, Hero, why don't you tell the good people out here where they can find you? Well, folks, um, you guys can find me on YouTube. I uh, run a channel called The Nerd Men. Uh, That's N-E-R-D-M-E-N as one word. Uh, Three years ago, I started a comedy gaming channel in uh, the same vein as The Game Grumps and a lot of comedy gamers out there. uh, Because, uh, and if you don't mind me going into it a little bit, uh, I have a little brother. Uh, He has special needs, uh, and it's something that very heavily affected me when I was younger. I suffered through a lot of depression. 
I didn't have a lot of opportunities to go out on adventures and do these sorts of things that most people do at my age because I spent a lot of time being a second father, uh, you know, helping to medically care for and homeschool, you know, another kid. And that it takes a toll on somebody who's very young. Uh, so I suffered, like I said, with a lot of depression and I used to go to sleep at night listening to people on YouTube uh, Cloud 8745 and the Game Grumps and all these other people and that helped me a lot you know going to sleep listening to people make jokes and play things that I loved uh, made me smile and you know knowing that I was smiling right before I went to sleep I feel did wonders for my uh, mental acuity and my mental health uh, so I decided uh, a couple of years ago that I wanted to do that for other people so three years ago I started my channel and I play anything and everything. And uh, I've been on once. Yeah, yeah, you have been on once. I actually still have that footage. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just kind of stream of conscious. It's very, very much like this. We just kind of talk for a bit. They're, you know, 15 to 20 minute episodes. And we play tons of franchises like uh, Japanese horse racing all the way <laughs> oh to... Oh, my gosh. All, all the way to Mario games, uh, horror games. You know, you name it, we've probably played it. And then I have my other show that I mentioned earlier where I do food and wine pairings with classic video games. Uh, and uh, then we have those food and wine while we do the show. Uh, so if you guys uh, like people having very stupid kind of humor and playing through some weird and wacky games, uh, go ahead and check us out. You know, hit us a subscribe and do all of those lovely things. And uh, thank you for having me, Cole. Oh, well, it, I appreciate you coming by. We've been trying to nail this down for a little while. So yeah, I'm for a couple it, weeks oh, now. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to, to work it out. And I'm definitely going to have you on again because we went on some tangents there. Yes, we did. That I'm pretty sure have the the public clamoring for more. <laughs> I'm sure. Right, guys? Right. Well, um, in closing, I wanted to uh, make sure you guys are, are listening. Uh, come talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are trying to start this thing where we talk about our awesome fan of the week. And uh, if you uh, decide to be that awesome fan with just kind of hitting me up on Twitter, telling us how much uh, you enjoyed the podcast, you know, sharing, liking, retweeting, all that good stuff. <laughs> um, giving some reviews on Apple Podcasts is a great way to put yourself in the running. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. You can find me on Twitter at GaiusOctavian13, at G-A-I-U-S-O-C-T-A-V-I-A-N-1-3. Thank you all. Don't remember. Please remember to be kind to each other, and I will see you soon. <laughs>